Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 113, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we are bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices, and to help us out today is writer and member of the entertainment blog the coalition gary swaby gary welcome back to the show for the mm, i don't know how many times but it's a lot of times <laughs> and we appreciate it welcome oh yeah I'm, I'm, I'm kind of losing count now i think this might be the fourth time or fourth? something okay cool yeah uh, always good to be here love the show and yeah you, you you both are great as well so Thank you for having me back. Cool. And that's the end of the show. Thank you for coming. I think we can go all we need. That's pretty much it. What more do you what more do you say? Where'd you go? It's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> so but um, no, we appreciate you uh, uh, continuing to come back on. I appreciate people listening. So if you haven't already, you can subscribe to Story X Story uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, and you can send us your feedback and questions. Send us your questions, people, uh, to feedback at myamada.com. Uh, you can throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything uh, and you can join the studio 77 discord to be part of the maya matter universe and meet others in the community plus you can consider becoming a studio 77 member to support the work that we do at maya matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork and we've got stuff coming for both of those uh, over the coming months and into next year uh, so before we get started with today's story discussions let's update you with the latest from the maya matter universe and we've got a bunch of manga projects in the works. Um, so we've been speaking about the incoming Kickstarter, a uh, new project, new manga featuring Tazzy's character, which is still in the works. The writing's been going on in the background. But we've also got a new project. So as well as doing projects within the Mayamada universe, uh, from on occasion, we venture out into the big wide world uh, and work with other organizations to do stories using our characters or new characters that we create. So. We're currently working on a story for the financial education charity, MyBank, and that's going to be a part of their primary school program, helping young people get to grips with financial literacy and, in this case, uh, energy efficiency and safety. So interesting working on those kind of stories where there's a like an upfront message and information to be delivered. It's like a new challenge there. Um, but we've also got uh, that. We've got uh, story for the campaign, the Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign that we've been working on. So we're going to put together a, a short story within an information pack as part of the campaign before the end of the year. Uh, so over these last few months, we'll definitely be busy uh, with new manga. Um, but you can also check out the manga that we've already done, including the latest manga, Serious Through the Fog, which is a story about a pandemic that I wrote and produced during the pandemic and uh, features Blake Sirius having to navigate um, basically <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we've all had to go through over the past uh, two, was it two and a half years, um, something like that. So put that in a story, it's now canon. So go check that out if you haven't already. And every month on our Twitch live stream platform, we have different Studio 77 activities. So 
this month we have our games night which happens at the end of the month usually on thursdays but this month it's wednesday the 31st where we play new games with studio 77 members from 7 p.m or thereabouts <laughs> for an asterisk so sometimes we have tech issues and it goes beyond that but usually around then so we're going to be playing multiverses which um i played i have actually prepared my computer so this is like almost the most prepared I've, I've been for a games night so i know what the game is i've got it installed it's set up it's ready to go i don't know where what what's happened so but that's what i've done i've only done the tutorial so you can still watch me play a new game get to grips with um multiverses and uh, you can also check out the past games nights on youtube so we put highlights up uh, we've got some highlights up at the moment like roblox rocket league fortnite we've got more to come there's a long list of uh, editing work to be done, but as we get through that, they'll be up on YouTube. And we have uh, more stuff coming on our Twitch live stream. During the pandemic, we started online events. So we started Gamepad Online, where we bring you much of the, the Gamepad ethos, the, the games, the community, the, the learning. Hopefully there's learning in there, but we did it through Twitch. So we're going to be doing that at the end of the year. So save the date for November 19th. We'll be bringing another Gamepad online event with a slight difference. And you will find out what that difference is if you stay tuned to our September Gamepad report video. We'll be talking a lot more about what's to come for Gamepad online this year and in future. And also to come is more events for our Do I Look Like a Gamer representation campaign. So if you have been listening to the podcast or have seen our website, looklikeagamer.com, the campaign promoting diversity and inclusion that we started this year, we launched with 40 players and makers to showcase the diversity that does exist in games as a way to inspire and empower young people from diverse backgrounds to go into the industry if they wish and understand the roots in um roots into this uh, games industry so you can check our youtube where we've got segments from the launch live stream that we've put up on the channel and you can also get involved with the campaign especially if you're a young or aspiring games professional you'll definitely want to get involved so at the moment before we announce the, the next event we've got a uh, an activity where you can share the story of how you got into video games as part of the campaign so record a video answering the question what's the game that got you into gaming so everyone's got that that game that kind of like opened it up uh, for them whether it's professionally or just like from a i like playing games from a hobby perspective um, and then you can tag my matter on your social media of choice uh, well i guess the ones we're on which is instagram twitter tiktok uh, we're also on Facebook if you want to do that. Who uses Facebook? I don't know. And use the hashtag look like a gamer uh, as well. So we can find it, we can amplify it, part of the campaign. Uh, and then we're going to be launching a new event uh, before the year is out, uh, targeting parents uh, and educators as well as young people. Uh, so to help them learn about the games industry as a career path, maybe bust some myths, um, broaden some horizons, stuff like that. Um, we're going to be bringing in some people from the industry at different stages of the game development and um, promotional marketing process. Uh, hopefully people will leave knowing a bit more and parents, educators being able to support those young people who say they do want to work in the games industry. So the campaign is proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Splash Damage, who have allowed us to put together the campaign, including the free events that we've done so far. Uh, and the ones that are to come so appreciate the support from them and others that have given 
support in different areas uh, as we've been putting this together. So now you're all caught up with what's happening at My Matter. Let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week. So this is the part of the podcast where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories people have been reading, watching, or playing. So we'll start with our guest, Gary. Uh, what are the stories that you've been uh, consuming recently? So I guess to start with, I've been, because I like to always read, uh, read different books and stuff. And uh, I recently got into a series written by um, James Patterson, actually, but um, it's about a a black detective called Alex Cross. And I believe there are some movies based on this too, uh, one with Morgan Freeman and one with um, Tyler Perry. Yeah, it's it's basically, um, you know, a black detective in DC. Um, He's also a psychologist. um, So like he kind of tackles uh, his different homicide cases and stuff um, from a psychological perspective, trying to understand the criminals and psychopaths and stuff like that. So, yes, yeah, pretty interesting, um, especially like, you know, reading an, an authentic like black character being written by, you know, a, a, a white Caucasian writer as well. Like, I think I think he he did a, a decent enough job. Uh, there are times where it feels a little off with some of like the slang that he tries to use here and there. But yeah, it's it's, it's a pretty good series so far. So I'm I'm quite enjoying that. I like dark twisted stories as well, and there's some dark twisted stuff in this. So quite enjoying it. I was just gonna say I might have to give it a. Re- I like I like a good like investor like Invest- investigation story. Yeah. yeah, I love a good detective series and stuff. I used to really like Sherlock Holmes as well. So yeah. um, this is kind of like that with like a, a psychological twist. So it's pretty good. And yeah, uh, one of the TV shows I've been watching is actually um, Power Raising Canaan, which just came back for season two. It follows like the life of, um, I don't know if anyone's seen like the original Power series, but um, 50 Cent had a character called um, Canaan. And this new series, Raising Canaan, kind of follows like his life when he was a little child basically growing up and stuff and like it kind of shows you where he went wrong and his family's influence like because he has a dysfunctional family as well so yeah it's it's like it's a crime drama basically but pretty good i'm enjoying it and the only other thing is better call soul which ended last week um it's a continuation of the breaking bad series it focuses on one of the characters who's like a shady lawyer and yeah, I just really like the writing style of, of the show, just the way they go about telling the story. It's like very different than your average show because it's not like it doesn't go like in a sequence of this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Like sometimes it just shows you like really weird and random scenes. Um, like the characters just do random stuff, like, but somehow they still get the story across within it. And it's like a, a very uh, cool, cool and quirky writing style, like kind of a directing style as well. So I, I, I really enjoyed that show. And it's kind of sad that it's over now. Yeah. I hate when I show you already enjoying ends. <laughs> mm, but I do feel like. I like endings because it either ends or it gets cancelled and <laughs> getting cancelled, yeah. then it's just like, that's the worst ending. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Netflix. Yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of Netflix shows are like that. But yeah, I agree with what you said, Nigel, because uh, like, I feel like with a lot of great shows, the longer they go on, the more the quality declines, like if it, as it continues kind of thing. Mm. So I feel like a lot of shows should aim for like maybe like five or six seasons at the most because there always seems to be like issues with writers leaving and people leaving and stuff and like the quality just shifts so mm. like it's a long commitment right <laughs> so, exactly yeah that makes sense awesome so i have been off work sick today full transparency I've not been feeling great. So I decided to actually take a day off because I'm really bad at being like, I'm ill and then be at home and then somehow like busy myself unless I'm literally like completely unable to move. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, okay, chill out. Do absolutely nothing of consequence and play Hades finally. Uh, So I started playing Hades and I I mean, the reason why it took me so long to pick it up was because I was planning on playing it on stream because it seems like a really great streamable, streamable game. But here I am actually playing it. And I'm really enjoying this game. I'm really enjoying how the story unfolds in it. So it's a rogue, roguelike game. I feel like the last last podcast I also was playing a roguelike. Yeah, right? you did. <laughs> There's a trend happening. But... Yeah, I don't, it's just so good. Why have I been sleeping in this game for so long? I understand why everyone was like, you have to play it. Um, the voice acting is brilliant. And just the way the story unravels every time you die is really great. And um, obviously, got all the, all the gods and all the... I mean, they're still gods. They're just gods of... Well, the god of death, Hades. Or whatever he his official title is lord of the underworld um, <laughs> and so like yeah no it's just really interesting um i'm looking forward to finding out the truth <laughs> and then following on the mythology path i started watching sleepy hollow the tv show so this came about because i was looking for i really wanted to watch grim which is a series I love, but it's currently not on any of the streaming platforms that I have access to. And so I was like, let me watch a new show that gives me the same feeling as Grimm. So I had a little Google search and I was like, you know, shows like Grimm. Um, and there was one list that had a load of other shows that I've watched and really enjoy. Um, and I like the vibe of the reason why I enjoy it. And then, yeah, Sleepy Hollow came up and I was like, oh, this has come up a few times. Let me, uh, might jump on that. And I have, and I'm not disappointed at all. I'm really enjoying it. Is that a new, it's not like a... No, it's not a new show. There's a new film for Sleepy Hollow. Right. That's quite new. I can't remember when, but Hmm. yeah, the show's not that new. (laughs) And then I've been reading The Witcher, introducing The Witcher. Which I have read before, uh, but I got got a free ebook of it, and I really just needed a easy read. Um, and because I've read it before, it's easy to read. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that a comic or a book or something? It's a book. It's um, I think it's the first Witcher book. Okay. Um, which is like just a collection of short stories, essentially Monster of the Week, 
because I think they were originally in a magazine. And then this was like the first book of them being collected together before like the novel series started. Okay. Are you, are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've read it before and I really enjoyed it the first time around. Uh, and I'm definitely enjoying it the second time around, especially as now I have a much better version of Geralt <laughs> <laughs> to imagine. <laughs> so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to read those for so long, so I, I probably should get around to it. Yeah, no, I really enjoy them. And it's sort of like interesting seeing how like the, how it differs from the show or how the show dif- differs from it. But yeah, I enjoy that. Uh, so, Nigel, it's, it's your turn. What have you, what stories have you been occupying your time with? Yeah, all right, let me get the uh, the obvious one out of the way first, because if you have been listening to the show uh, you will know that i'm uh, i'm somewhat a fan of uh, drug cartel inspired shows really yeah I have, I not, not have i not mentioned uh, probably not i mean you know only a couple times uh, and a few shows every single time um so i got a thing i got a thing for them but you know what it is i've always felt this but just so i've been watching queen of the south they just finished season four and drug cartel shows are business shows and no one can tell me otherwise these are these are business shows yeah forget the build your business in 30 days self-help books watch a cartel show if you want to know how to start and operate a business that is what i'm learning from these shows (laughs) so without going into some major spoilers the show is Actually, so the difference in in this, or one of the differences, the the protagonist is uh, female, so Teresa Mendoza, and she starts off sort of bottom of bottom of the ladder in in this world, and it's about working her way up and and seeing where where she goes. But there's a couple of things that are interesting about this show where. At the very beginning, like I'm talking season one, she kind of sees images of her future self. I always found that like when I, f- I think from the very first episode, I always found that quite interesting, that idea of who you're going to be. So even if you're in a p- terrible position, which she starts off in an absolutely ter- terrible position, part of what gets her through is seeing like her future self and her future self essentially saying, stick with it. You're you're going somewhere, so I've kind of I kind of uh, resonated um, with me, and I think having a female protagonist also because the, the story kind of takes it in places where you see her as she's rising the ranks, kind of try to do things differently. And in season four, there are examples or situations where she's she's trying to do things in a I'm going to say like a, a nice way relatively speaking for uh what is still a a drug cartel and there are moments where she wants to do things differently but the world she is in won't let her and and pushes her in where she may not want to go and I found that uh, like an interesting story mechanic but like I say this is a business show you just you think like oh sometimes that phrase, like, oh, this is how it's always been done, kind of comes to mind. And, you know, you want to come in and change things or do things a different way. But people say, no, this is the way. <laughs> this is the way it's done. It's the way it's always been done. And if you do it this other way, you're going to meet some resistance. But she's like, no, this is this is the way I want to do it. We need to be better. I kind of, like, appreciate that uh, that journey, even though it is is difficult for her as a show kind of depicts. So, yeah, so it's kind of that 
she's quite far along in in her journey to sort of keep it fairly uh, general. And yeah, just seeing like her being pushed in these ways, actually trying to do things differently, but the world around her uh, won't let her. But yeah, it, it's just cartel shows, the the business shows. It's it's like just certain things where like having a making a product, it's not enough to make a product. You've got to get the product out. You have to like, uh, I'm going to say collaborate <laughs> for, for lack of a better word. You have to collaborate with other organizations. And it's quite like I've, I've learned this over the years where like everyone everyone wants something there's, there's no even the charities aren't charities to not to be overly cynical but even the charities aren't charities so everyone wants something everyone's trying to get something and you see these deals where people are just open about it it's like well, what are you going to do for me here's what i can do for you uh here's what you're going to get working with me i'm just like yeah it's what you need to do you need to obviously without the the violence and the uh the threats of uh guns and and all that but you just need to like this is what we're going to do for you this is why you should be working with us. Let's let's do this thing. We're doing this thing or not, and uh, letting people know where you stand. There's so much to learn. Drug cartel shows are business shows. I feel that's the main thing I'm trying to get at. So, and it's a good show, Queen of the South. So I've been watching that. Definitely not the last time I'll be talking about a drug cartel show uh, on the podcast. Oh, de- de- definitely not. If you're going to have me on here more often. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So happy to have that uh, discussion again. And I've also been watching some anime, so I'm continuing to watch Demon Slayer uh, season one. I think there's only one season, but I'm making my way through. I'm in episode twenty or twenty-one, and it's kind of it's it's getting me. So it's it's weird because this is something that has come up in workshops. So I do workshops with young people, sort of like. 10 maybe sometimes even younger than 10 uh to sort of teens and sometimes early 20s but even with the younger audience like demon slayers has always come up so i've got to sort of watch it be aware but it's also been recommended by different people i think some people we've had on the show other people i've spoken to and started watching it uh, and it felt like a it felt like a shonen anime so it didn't at the beginning quite pull me in so it's about the main character, uh, Tanjiro, who, who's basically his family is is massacred by a demon, like from the very start. So that's like the premise. And then he goes to learn to become a demon slayer. Um, and his sister, or his one surviving sister, is sort of half turned into a demon. So she's with him and he's trying to get her back to what she used to be. And you kind of see him take the journey of learning to be a demon slayer, going out into the world, meeting other characters. And it's just... Yeah, it, so it felt very familiar in that sense. So it didn't necessarily pull me in at the start, but it's kind of as as you go, it's pulling me in a bit more. Like I'm I'm getting it a bit more. Why people are excited about it, and it has that like the main character is such that you know that, that anime thing of just just so earnest. It's so like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna fight, and I'm I'm gonna learn to be the best demon slayer, and I'm gonna just yeah do everything I can. I'm never gonna give up. Like I don't know that 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 just works <laughs> it just works he just um but then what i'm also learning about the characters because as the story progresses you meet different different demons so the show comes becomes about the way so the the nature of the demon but also the story behind the demon and the way uh tanjiro like attacks demon um to to defeat him or them and it's just interesting to see like he's a character who basically believes in the humanity of of all people even demons because demons used to be humans at one point and that's a very like endearing characteristic very like wholesome in in some ways even though i question whether this is a show for kids i don't know if either of you have seen it i feel like i might need to give it a second chance see the way you've described it 
makes me want to watch it. The way everyone else has described it has been like, the action scenes are amazing. And I'm like, I literally do not care. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. And, and it is very, and there are, there are some good, there's one, there was one recent kind of encounter. I won't say exactly what it is, but it's so like action in itself isn't necessarily, I mean, it's fine, it's good it's for visually, but isn't necessarily saying anything. But the way he defeated this particular demon was so like meaningful for his character and then the character of the demon and for what comes after, it just, it actually touched me. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, this is just a, such a uh, such a cool moment. But yeah, visually the fight scenes are quite cool and, and all that. But then I feel like you would watch that. If it was just that, you would watch it and be like, well, this is just like a shonen. That's that's my impression I've had of it so far. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I've had to kind of, not quite fight, because you've mentioned it before, I don't necessarily have that much of a problem with it as, as you have in terms of being over it. But I feel you might have to fight a bit more than that. But I'm, like I said, I'm 20 How episodes. How much fight we're talking? How many episodes till it gets <clears throat> not boring? Yeah. <laughs> um, see, I'm, I might have to come back when I finish the season. <laughs> and and give a proper kind of we'll, we'll just like talk offline but i'm at at the moment i would question whether those moments are enough to overcome your particular okay. all right kind of like oh this is just like a shonen anime because it is very like it, it is very shonen anime it needs a higher payoff then yeah so i'm um i need like a great pretender level oh payoff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <There's that. laughs> um so yeah so i've been watching that i'm kind of like slowly being pulled into that and then also started watching castlevania which i guess is does that count as an anime or is that just animation i think it's just animation right i don't know someone listening might I be know, making I a distinction i hear people say both ways so okay. i'm not not too sure. All right, well, whatever it is, I've been watching it. So I started watching, actually, I finished season one because season one is four episodes long, which I didn't realize until uh, until I got there. So uh, this is something I started to watch a while back and then was kind of put off by the animation style just because it seemed quite basic. Not um, to be too, too disparaging, but it seemed quite basic. So I remember starting, I don't think I made it, past the first episode or even finish the first episode but for some reason i was like i let me just go back and give it another chance and i did and i'm glad i did because it's one of those where it it pulled me in because of the story which is <laughs> is a is a good thing so it starts off like the premise is essentially the premise is uh, dracula dracula gets married and his wife is burned at the stake before being a witch by the church so that's the premise in a very heavily summarized way and then Dracula just unleashes all kinds of hell on, on humanity so yeah he kind of the first four episodes introduces you to the main characters and yeah it's just the characters are interesting voice acting I quite like the voice acting so that pulled me in as well uh, and then we're at the point where the main I'm gonna say the main crew the main protagonists have been established motives have been established and now I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm in this show. So it's definitely pulled me in over those first four episodes. Nice. Yeah. So a uh, mix of things there um, from, from business to Dracula. Uh, that's all um, <laughs> we have been enjoying story-wise. Uh, now let's get into our main story discussion. 
today we're going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder, the 2022 comic book movie produced by Marvel Studios. It's the sequel to 2017's Thor Ragnarok and the 29th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film is directed by Taika Waititi who co-wrote the script with Jennifer Caitlin Robinson and stars Chris Hemsworth as Thor alongside Christine Bale, Tessa Thompson and more. So this is your spoiler alert. We're now going to get into the spoiler part of the podcast and talk about all the details uh, that we have time for in this episode. So I will do a recap of the story, but let's first get everyone's quick take and impression. So we'll start with our guest, Gary. What did you think of this story? I actually put off watching this for a while because um, like me and my friends, we're big like marvel comic book nerds Mm. so like a lot of times like i get the opinions of like the the people in my group that are just like me and like they didn't like the movie at all like they were telling me all their gripes with it and everything like that so i kind of put off actually seeing it for myself but then i watched it and i guess because by that point my expectations had already been so low that i i just kind of like enjoyed it it was just like a cool you know little film i did, i don't think it's it's marvel's best work at all uh it's definitely you know not i think ragnarok was way better than this but it's a, it's a decent watch like a one-time watch it's decent uh it wasn't like i guess because my expectations were in place i wasn't very disappointed so yeah okay. that those were my thoughts on it Okay. All right. Expectations in accordingly. Didn't mind it too much. Tazzy, what are your thoughts on this film? I wasn't going to watch it. The only reason I watched it was for the podcast. (laughs) I was going to just like, well, I wasn't going to watch it in the cinema, you know, like I was going to wait until it was streaming, but then saw it was in the podcast list. I was like, oh, yeah, I think we just missed the window. I should have timed that better, but... (laughs) I'll go watch it, I guess. I mean, my um, I needed to make the most out of my Unlimited because I'd like spent two months and not used yeah, it. Yeah, while Cineworld still exists. That's, uh, that's like the whole like, thing. Back to back. I've been so many times. So, um, yeah, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I was a little bit disappointed, though. I'm not the four movies' biggest fan. Like, I, I liked Ragnarok. I cannot, for the love of me, ever remember what happened in the first four and for the Dark World. Like, I just, I don't, like, if I watch them again, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen this. But when it's over, like, I just blank. (laughs) I don't know what happened in those films. I love Thor's character in the uh, rest of the MCU. So... Okay, you love the character, but not the films. Yeah, like, I feel like Thor is better in other films than his own <laughs> films that being said let's get to my opinion on this particular film yeah i really enjoy i did really enjoy it it was fun it was just a bit like silly comedic mm. i think my disappointment was like when i it took me a while to like pinpoint this and i'll go into it uh once we get get more into the, the discussion but i was like it felt really flat like it just didn't quite track yeah it's like i feel i know why that is it was like trying to be a comedy but it just felt like a bit half-assed it was like it wasn't even like a 
like we're just gonna go and make something and just do whatever <laughs> we feel like it was more of a like yeah just like no like low effort like I suppose we've got to put a film together. <laughs> we'll put some silly stuff in there. And it was, again, I did enjoy it. It was funny. It wasn't cinema worthy. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. So obviously we've, we've covered a lot of uh, MCU uh, stories. And I think like Tazzy, you mentioned this sort of being off the MCU bandwagon and then Doctor Strange brought you back. And I've, I've liked most of what Marvel have done. This film is, I think, one of the first that's just maybe questioned, <laughs> just just put a little doubt in my mind as to the direction. I know there's been this whole thing like since Endgame of people feeling like Phase Four is, you know, where's it going? And I've been like, you know, just there's there's obviously a plan. There's something. The pandemic had a impact, so it probably isn't as smooth as it as they would have liked. But it's a plan, and I feel my what are going to be many criticisms of this film have been tempered a little bit because since watching this and now recording this podcast, we've seen a lot of phase five and six and what's to come. And that's kind of like given me more hope because this film, this film offended me on some levels, <laughs> uh, actually offended. Not that I didn't enjoy some of it while watching it, but it's like, I, I, I like comedy. And when I say I like comedy, I, I like how comedy can be used in positive way like to it can sort of make you think about things and engage with topics that you wouldn't otherwise engage with it can sort of help like elevate the enjoyment uh, of things or in this case it can be used to undercut nearly every moment in uh, in in a story which i felt thor does and that really frustrated me like the way it did that so I, and i think back to to Thor Ragnarok and I remember thinking like I enjoyed that but was it too funny was there too much humor that undercut the dramatic moments and then I kind of got to a place where I was like I think for me I think it was like I think it was a well done film maybe for my personal taste like too much comedy that specifically undercut some of the moments but I recognize I think it's a good thing it was a good sort of reinvention of, of Thor character because as as he kind of demonstrated there were some sort of forgettable moments and then it sort of set Thor on this path of like a tragic path because it's a character who has so much loss and almost used comedy to hide the pain that I was feeling I think there was a moment in Endgame where he kind of let that pain out about how much he's lost and then he became a comedic character and for me I saw it as a you know this is a using comedy to hide the pain and that's an interesting thing this yeah they just didn't do any of that <laughs> this is just like you said it's just throwing some jokes let's pack more jokes in there nothing means anything let's wrap this up and collect this check from marvel that's what this felt to me so i was just like ah no <laughs> it, it just frustrated me so much um so yeah i'm gonna be very critical in <laughs> in this episode uh and you guys are gonna have to pick up the slack on the positivity no I, like it's it's gonna be hard because i i agree with a lot of what you said like because i i think what's happened is like the first two Thor movies, like they were so kind of like dark and like, you know, even from a visual perspective, it was like very dark and uh, cosmic. I think like viewers weren't trained to to watch a superhero movie like in that style mm. at the time. So like they didn't connect like the way Iron Man and Captain America did at the time and stuff. So I think with Ragnarok, they wanted to try something new. And by that point, the Guardians of the Galaxy formula 
was working really well for them where it was a more comedic kind of style um slapstick and everything so i i feel like they kind of they paired thor with the guardians and kind of wrote him in that way uh just to kind of rebrand him a little bit and parts of it did work at first like what you said where he's sort of using um humor as a way to hide the pain and and things like that like certain certain moments worked but it's just gotten progressively worse and worse with the humor to the point it it's it spills into some of the other mcu films as well where it's just like joke 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 mm. and it kind of takes away from some of the heavy moments and the tension and everything like that yeah and yeah this this movie just felt like they wasn't trying at all it was just like you know uh, a lot of the jokes weren't even funny yeah in that's this <laughs> So yeah, just... all right. Let, let me recap this, and then we'll we'll dig a little deeper, and maybe we can find out why and and how it could be done better. So, uh, the story takes us to a barren desert where Gore and his daughter Love struggle, and despite prayers to their god Rapu, Love dies. After Rapu dismisses Gore's plight, he uses the god-killing Necrosword to kill the god before vowing to kill all gods. Gore is granted abilities by the sword, but is also cursed with impending death. Elsewhere, Thor learns of a distress signal and parts ways with the Guardians of the Galaxy to investigate. An injured Sif warns that Gore's next target is new Asgard. Meanwhile, Dr. Jane Foster, Thor's ex-girlfriend, has been diagnosed with stage 4 terminal cancer, which is supposed to be serious, and travels to new Asgard, hoping that Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, might heal her. Because of an enchantment Thor unknowingly places on Mjolnir years earlier, Mjolnir bonds with Jane. Thor arrives in New Asgard and is surprised to find Jane wielding Mjolnir. Thor, Jane, Valkyrie and Korg team up to thwart Gore who escapes, kidnapping several Asgardian children, also supposed to be serious, and imprisoning them in the Shadow Realm. Heimdall's son Axel contacts Thor who finds the children. Thor and friends travel to Omnipotent City to ask the gods for their help against Gore. Zeus, however, fears Gore and is unwilling to help, thinking that they can remain safe and hidden from Gore in the city. He orders Thor's capture, but Thor impales Zeus with his own thunderbolt, which Valkyrie steals before they escape. Thor and Jane eventually rekindle their relationship and Jane reveals her illness. The group arrives at the Shadow Realm, but can't find the children. Jane realises that the kidnappings were a trap for Gore to take Thor's axe in order to summon the Bifrost and enter the, elm, the realm of Eternity, who can grant his wish to destroy all gods. Gore overpowers the group and steals Stormbreaker. Drained of her strength each time she uses Mjolnir, Jane is warned that using it one more time will likely kill her. Thor persuades Jane to let him fight Gore alone while she recuperates. So Thor finds the kidnapped children at Eternity's altar and using Zeus's thunderbolt gives the children his power so they can fight Gore's monsters while he battles Gore. Jane senses that Gore is about to kill Thor and joins in the battle with Mjolnir to save him. They destroy the Necro Sword, freeing Gore from its influence, but the three are brought into Eternity's realm. Thor pleads with Gore to revive his daughter instead of destroying the gods. Thor then goes to Jane, who succumbs to her illness and dies in his arms. Gore is so moved, enough to wish for eternity to revive his daughter Love as he dies from the curse, requesting Thor to take care of his daughter. 
The children return to New Asgard, where Valkyrie and Sif begin training them. Thor adopts Love, who joins him in his heroics. The end. But not really, because it's a Marvel film. So... In the mid-credit scene, back in Omnipotent City, a recuperating Zeus sends his son Hercules to kill Thor. Now, Hercules does look serious. Uh, and in the post-credit scene, Jane arrives at the gates of Valhalla, where Heimdall welcomes her in. And that's the end. All right, so let's go to the kind of look at the production and how this film did. Because always, like, I was curious to see how this actually did. In a, I mean, one, in a post-pandemic world, because there's a whole thing about sort of cinemas um struggling and all that but then also just in compare in comparison to other marvel films so like i was, I was reading that this film had a 250 million dollar budget made 143 million in its debut weekend which is second best of the year behind dr strange and as of whenever i put his notes on notes together and whichever website i got this from uh, which will be in the show notes thor is around the 449 million world i'm sorry that's the first four film i'm gonna get all the first thor film try saying that three times fast um <laughs> tapped out at 499 million the dark world which i also can't remember what, <laughs> what happens in that uh made 644 million and ragnarok ended with 854 million so this film, Love and Thunder, is on track, uh, this is via Forbes, to get to 750 million. So it's pretty much, uh, as said in this article, the definition of a rock-solid MCU hit. But I feel like we're going to debate that, <laughs> whether whether it mm-hmm. is, but it does seem like this is a a good film by, by box office standards in a post-pandemic world. Uh, where I think we might have already answered this, but where does this film rank in Thor's journey, either individual or ensemble movie, for you both personally? And I'll tell you, for me, it's it's, it's mm-hmm. at the bottom. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would, uh, I mean, I need to watch the, the second film again because I haven't seen it in so long, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it a lot more than this, so... I think for me, this definitely ranks um, for just the Thor films. This ranks at the bottom, for sure. For me, just Thor films, second. Obviously, <laughs> we'll I don't remember the yeah, first yeah. two. <laughs> that to me says everything. Yeah. Um, and I remember not. I remember just not finding them that good, that interesting. Not 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 finding them not good is a bad term. <laughs> it's not about them being not good. It's about me not enjoying them. Doesn't mean they're bad films. They're two different things. That's a that's a good distinction. And yeah, that's a good distinction to make. So it's second, but like it probably goes like well, just the four films are low down for me <laughs> in four's ranking anyway. So it doesn't make that much of a difference. <laughs> it's second out of the four films, and then the four films just in the rest of the M- four's appearance in the rest of the MCU are at the bottom anyway. So yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And I, I think that distinction you make of you might not like something like you it could be a good, well made film and you don't like it. Yeah. Or it could be a badly made film, but you enjoyed it. And I think yeah. this is I would argue this is a badly made film that can be enjoyed because there are not every joke lands, there are funny things, it is fun, enjoyable watch, but like I said, with the sort of use of comedy that just offended me, so that's why I kind of low down. I'd say it's not a greatly made film. I don't think it's a greatly made film. And and to <laughs> to put my that we're gonna get into it, but the the high point for me is I feel there are basically jokes where story should be. 
and it's missing a lot uh, because it's trying yeah. to fucking choke. So, so one of the things that actually I always um want to sort of try and mention the comic book inspiration. So I'm going to put in a show notes because with like the MCU adapting different stories and there's often an element of mixing and matching. I, I read that Taika Waititi was influenced by a particular storyline from Jason Aaron's called The Mighty Thor. So uh, I put in a link uh, for people that are interested in like seeing, you know, the, the source material, so to speak, uh, of that because a lot of you know bits are, are drawn from that. And there's sort of differences that they take from the comics and sort of change because not everything that works in the comics will work in film or, or needs to. So one of the things that it's frustrating, it's frustrating to me because of it feels like a regression of the character because so in the comics Thor is serious and then we've had a you know funny Thor. And to be positive, I to my surprise, Chris Hemsworth does comedy well. Like he plays the comedic role well. He has good comedic timing. And I, I didn't expect that, especially after watching the first two. This film, and tell me what you think, but it feels like he's regressed into sort of the, the dim-witted friend. Like he like this is a, a god. He's been alive for thousands of years. And he's just it's like he's getting dumber. Like <laughs> I'm like, Thor took Cork's job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like this it failed like Cork's character yeah. by making four so much like Cork and then like like taking everyone else as well <sighs> and making them more like Cork. It's like like everyone's trying to copy Cork and I love Cork. He's great. Mm. But Cork is Cork. <laughs> <laughs> let, let Cork no one Cork. else should I shouldn't be able to compare anyone else to him cuz that's who they are. It's like, why are you trying to be like, like Cork? Uh, yeah. You're not Cork. Like everyone's trying to be the same character. I mean, like Gary, what did you, what do you think of Thor's progression, regression? Yeah, it's it's a big regression, um, and it's it's quite sad because, like, in the comics, some of the comics I've read from Marvel, it's like when when Thor shows up, it's a big deal. Like the the whole battlefield just stops. Like, yeah. it's, like it's he's like this mighty character. Like he's supposed to, he, he's you're supposed to like feel. You know, um, his his aura, yeah. his godly aura. Like that moment in Infinity War, he he jumps in, he's like, "Bring me Thanos." That's just that's such yeah. a memorable moment. Exactly, exactly, and and that that feels like the one of the only times we've actually seen that of this Thor in the MCU. Like that moment there was, that was the feel of Thor that we get from the comics, mm. and we've only seen that like maybe maybe once or twice like maybe it happened in the first avengers film as well but yeah like we don't see that enough we just see he just comes across as like a guardian of the galaxy to me at the moment like he's he's just another guardian at this point and stuff like the whole zeus sequence and in, in the film where he goes to the, the realm of the gods and stuff like that was a huge letdown because these characters are supposed to be big deals like it's supposed to be a big deal like that you've got zeus and you know all the other gods and stuff and they made zeus a joke they did very much so yeah he was a punchline i appreciated that (laughs) yeah i can't i i think i got what the purpose because it 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 fed into the you know gods are just for themselves and yeah yeah, i kind of got that and then it kind of like fed into the end scene as well like mm. the post-credit scenes, mm. but I agree with you a lot. Like that, he's kind of become a Guardians of the Galaxy character. And the start of the film, it worked. And I think it's kind of like what Nigel said um, about like appreciating that it's kind of like this humor to cover up 
this deep pain and sadness. I think in the scene where he was with the Guardians, it started to feel like it was going on that journey. And then it just tipped to full on <laughs> joke rather than like, though I didn't feel the sadness trying to be covered up. And, I, and it disappoints me because I feel like what they had a great opportunity here to do because like four is supposed to be like a God is like reflect like depression and negative feelings that people go through yeah. and how someone copes with that. And then they just didn't, they could have, they could have made a really good point and it still could have been a really nice, enjoyable, lighthearted film. And they just went joke. slapstick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is just, yeah, it's frustrating. So in terms of like looking at the narrative of it and the way the narrative was put together, because we have, obviously we have some drama and a lot of <laughs> comedy and that's not a, that's not a bad thing. You need that sort of balance sometimes. And see Marvel have done it with uh, other things. You can do it. It's not, that's not the problem. It's just the way you put it together. So this is one of the shortest MCU films and maybe not necessarily the length, but certainly the pacing, uh, I feel, didn't help because it, it might have led to some like really jarring tonal shifts. So like something very serious and you don't get enough time to sit with that until... The, the the next slapstick joke so i don't know what you you both felt about the the runtime did it, did it feel too short to you or uh do you think it affected the the tone of this film yeah i definitely felt like what you were talking about because i remember the moment where um thor spoke to jane uh where she she first tells him she has the cancer and everything and you know that that's obviously like a, a real kind of deep moment right there and then it just it shift very abruptly into yeah. something else not, so. and not just any cancer stage four terminal cancer like, yeah <laughs> yeah like she is dying <laughs> she is straight up dying <laughs> like she's knocking on death's door and you're just like you've got cancer okay cool let's move on to the next bit <laughs> let's get these goats in <laughs> oh gosh the goats that's another thing the screaming all through the movie yeah like it's true like i i feel like it was i appreciate a short film like films don't need to be long mm. but a film i think i we've spoke about before and we've we've mentioned it before like with just any on-screen entertainment um whether that's tv movies or video games the story needs to be however the long the story needs to be yeah don't try and cut it down or stretch it out to fill a runtime make it the story the story should be the center of how long something is right and i definitely feel like there was some scenes dropped that needed to be in there yeah. and then like, it was very like jump cut and i'm like this isn't a talky youtube video <laughs> where we need to cut out all the waffle and keep up the pace because it's just not interesting like we need we need to pause yeah. we need to like um, to like, get to like that, said, we need that to, like, subscribe button <laughs> <laughs> We need to like take a moment to like just like process that someone is knocking on death's door. We need a moment to process that like all of the kids of Asgard have been taken away. <laughs> the Mass whole child future has yeah. <laughs> like every single child that that is a whole and and not to mention what they've all already been through. Like this these Asgardian kids aren't actually all from Asgard, right? They're 
they're the new Asgard, which is a refugee for loads of non-Earth races. That, and you're just like, oh well, the future of like loads of planets is just here, and <laughs> like, oh wow, like get those kids back, like come on, mm. <laughs> and and also the pacing. This was like. I'm sorry, I'm just going through all the points. <laughs> but it's all kind of tied into the pacing. It's like, when this film started, I was like, this is going to be amazing. This is so cool. Like, I'm so glad I came to see it because this is an epic villain. Like Epic villain potential. God, yeah. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> God Butcher. And like this amazing sword. And then, where is he? <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, it just was cut apart from like the beginning scene and then like one scene where he's in a cage with the children and he like rips off the creature's head i don't know what it was <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like um where's where's my god butcher is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where is the butchering of the gods <laughs> and it is i mean you, you bring it up so we can talk about the about the villain and the potential and the way it like I don't know what you think, Gary, but I'd say it's sort of mishandled. And because, you know, Gary, I did mention in the intro, is a writer. So you write stuff, you write stories. So you, you know the whole show don't tell from a practitioner point of view. So yeah. we see sort of villain. And also, it's Kristen Bale. Like, this is this is not exactly. just anyone. This is a, a very good actor who, in the moments he has, you can tell this is a good actor playing a role that is not, he's just not given enough or not seeing enough. But I think one of the, I guess the, the sort of sins of writing. So you have a character, Gore the God Butcher, and we see him butcher one God and everything else is off screen. And that's like, um, so if, you're, if you're like writing a story and the the major bits, like <laughs> this is a, the main antagonist and his name is Gore the God Butcher. And the thing that he's known for happens off screen. You can't connect with that. Like I can't, yeah, I just can't connect that. Because I, I, I was thinking, what if he, that scene when they go and meet Zeus and they have all the gods, like just what if he had showed up there and just started wreaking havoc in that place yeah. and you see, or even before and up to then, you see him take down like another god and he's just like, you know, putting gods on their knees with this sword and you're like, whoa, this guy is coming for you. And how is he going to take down Thor too? Is Thor at risk? Is like, but you don't see any of that. You're just told that he's the god butcher and it just, you can't resonate with the, the menace with the threat of that so it reduces his role for me in the film because of that yeah I, I completely agree he was completely like misused underutilized like yeah it, it was it was terrible like it just seemed like they were just setting him up for slaughter throughout the whole movie <laughs> like oh that this is the guy they're going to be up later basically yeah you know? and it's sad because christian bell is such a great actor like if you tell me they're putting Christian Bell in the yeah, MCU. I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, <laughs> like he's gonna like he's gonna bring this to new heights. Yeah. Like, but they just didn't give him the opportunity to do that with this character. And and it's sad because now we probably won't see him again. Yeah. So. And it and the other thing as well is that his because I, I think what makes a good villain is one where you go, Oh yeah, they got a point. Um uh, like <laughs> Thanos, he had a point. You can you can there's a rational argument there to to what he said and then it's just about how they do it, it just goes beyond the like the extreme and yeah. he had this i think like tazzy you, you mentioned early on that it felt flat and i think 
we'll kind of i feel like as we have this discussion we'll, we'll kind of like outline why that is but one of the things for the the antagonist character is that he there was a good point there and it was even in some cases supporting material in that like when you see zeus and you see the gods and everything you see oh these aren't yeah. for the people like you can you can see it but it just it's almost like the, the pieces were there but it's just the connection wasn't made and then i was thinking about yeah. other like really good villains like killmonger in black panther where you can see like you see what he does and you see where he goes so you see him make his point because when that scene in black panther when you see what his his father went through and how he was mm. like basically done <laughs> done done badly in in this film you're like whoa that's that's not a good thing like uh t'challa you need to <laughs> you just sort this out because it's not a good thing that's been done and you're kind of you understand the antagonist but you don't get that when you don't see what the antagonist goes through here i feel like as well to your point of like not seeing any of the the god butchering going on mm. even like the aftermath that they showed us the the one bit that we see is like not even a human humanoid oh. like god it's like a creature that we've never <laughs> yeah. seen before so we don't have any idea like about this creature's power or what makes them a god we're just told they're a god but to me they just looked like a a big beast yeah that's, that's like, something like we discovered a dinosaur and here the remains when we killed it like there was there was no weight to that and then like you said like there was this potential for like this really moving like motivation like but we didn't it was left to to the imagination um and not in a good way like mm. I love being after the imagination so I have a great one <laughs> but I feel like I had to leave too much in this film to my imagination yeah um <laughs> for that to be well done and I think for me like the biggest re the re biggest reason this felt so abysmally flat is the lack the lack of the villain and that and, and in that the lack of um any real stakes yeah by not showing the villain not there sure was yeah there was there was no stakes, and you didn't even let us pause on the stakes that they did show. They never <laughs> sunk in. And there is, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to some positives. There are they are there. There are some. There are yeah, some yeah, positives. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see if we can get some powers. But there's a lot of negatives to get through. So you mentioned like the stakes and and them not being. Then one of the things. So when I watched uh, Thor Ragnarok, I actually learned a new word because I was so the idea of like the comedy undercutting the drama. I was like. I was so intrigued by that that I sort of I was looking into it. I was trying to figure out what that was. And I learned a new word, bathos, which at the time I didn't know. So I'm going to throw this definition, just one of a few, but this one seems to sum up, up nicely where um, this is from, was it study.com? Um, so bathos being a literary term for an absurd anticlimax in literature. The most commonly understood bathos definition is a literary work that builds up to what promises to be a satisfying and artistically accomplished conclusion, only to resolve in a particularly absurd or insignificant way. And this is why I, I thought Ragnarok did, and I think it does in places, but Love and Thunder definitely does. And it's something to keep in mind for like people writing their stories where there's just a lot of just undercutting when things, and it's that, for me, the, the key word, well, maybe absurd as well, but the insignificant way. Because I remember walking out of the, the cinema watching this just, and just thinking like nothing mattered, nothing in that mattered. It was just insignificant because of the way the comedy was done. So again, you can have comedy it's fine to have comedy it's just the way you do it so if you're doing it such that 
it reduces the stakes when it just feels insignificant. I feel you're doing your story a disservice in that sense. So uh, if you didn't know that term, uh, throw it out. You can learn something even in the negative. Oh, you, you taught me something. I've got to watch out for that. There you go. Make sure I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I think, because I was trying to, yeah, no, same. I was, I was trying to understand because I like putting, because it made me think of Hot Lunch, uh, My Matter Story Hot Lunch, because that is a, that's a serious story, but it's also, there's like comedic moments and I'm sort of conscious of putting those in, but then thinking, how do I avoid that? Like, how do I not undercut the moments? And I think a lot of it, and like you both tell me what you think, but there's a way to do like comedy that comes like from the character and from the moment. And then mm. I think too much in this is where it's like shoehorned in on top because it needs to be there and it just breaks the moment or something like that. I haven't quite worked out, but it's, there's something to learn from this. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I think um, comedy and like seriousness go like go very well together mm. like because it, it balances out so you don't leave and feel like, the world's gonna yeah, end yeah, just depressing yeah <laughs> you still feel like the stakes and the weight of a story um but this just didn't do do that yeah but there was potential i feel like I, I was just filling everything i was using my imagination to fill the gaps it was too, too much, much. yeah i should have just read a book <laughs> <laughs> all right so another thing i feel this one's a bit more of a common thing we've seen in other films so it's not necessarily unique to thor but you get a lot of like plot conveniences so things that just like happen because the plot needs them to happen rather than it being a product of what like character actions, like genuine character actions that fit. So one of the ones I didn't even necessarily think of this during watching about thinking back is because the, the whole reason they go to visit the gods is to get them or convince them that gore is a threat. They need to take action before he, you know, turns up here and uh, wreaks havoc. And then that gets thrown out the window because they, pretty quickly he's like nah we're not doing that we're we're cool here and then valkyrie i think suddenly notices the zeus's lightning bolt but that's not what they were there for and there was nothing to hint that that's the weapon that will will help them fight gore it's just like oh that's we're gonna take that and we're gonna go and it's that kind of that kind of thing was like oh that that seems quite convenient or um even like with the kids where i don't know how you felt i mean we're jumping to the end here but how you felt about thor giving the kids his power because best moment of the film sorry okay oh yeah i I guess you didn't like that but i thought it was amazing it's beautiful so that was an interesting one that was a i that was one that i i liked but questioned so it was like a it was one of those i didn't know you can do that and i felt that i don't know i felt that or maybe it's something where I, i didn't I'm overthinking it maybe, but yeah, I just didn't know you can do that. So it's like all of a sudden you can do that. And now that, that helps you like win the day. I'm like, that's the bit you questioned. Well, I mean, I didn't say jump into the end. (laughs) I feel like at that point I was like, yeah, it definitely could have had like explanation and more, like it could have had more weight to it. But at that point, there's like literally nothing has any, yeah. any heaviness to it. <laughs> the heaviness was thrown out the window in like the first 10 seconds of like introducing the um, the God Butcher. And then that was all of the seriousness gone. So I no longer like I'm amped for explanations or seriousness. It, the whole thing is just weird. Fair this. point. Um, um, my gripe with stuff like that with like just 
introducing things like that suddenly it's like there were there were so many moments throughout the mcu where there were like high stakes and it's like how comes we never saw any of this like you know um how comes he didn't do that in infinity war like he could have you know maybe mm. got he could have even gone to the gods maybe and asked for help like because the gods would have been powerful against um thanos so like there's so many things that they're introducing now that's yeah. a bit like where where was all this before like you know mm. if thor knew about all this stuff like why wasn't any of it like referred to or used or you know so and i i guess like it, it's a bit give and take because obviously this like for us this chronologically comes after um infinity war and end game so it's like they don't want to the writers can't restrict themselves too much so they have to introduce new elements i guess um that we haven't seen before but also you know it's like how much do they consider the overall universe aspect as well like hmm. that's my thing and i mean it's, it's marvel so there obviously is a consideration i feel some of it is going to be it's just a natural thing of the more they do the more you can look back and say well why wasn't you know we're going to watch something in film 35 and then go well why wasn't that in film 12 when they could have done that if you know what i mean so i think i think it's a it's a fair thing to like point out and uh, i feel that's just something they're just gonna have to take (laughs) basically because the more they bring in is oh why where was that well there's only so far like even kevin feige is he seems to you know just like the puppet master like with everything he can only look so far into the future and then plan things out so i'll, I'll give him that and i i like taz you there's a fair point about the the kids because at that point it's like you know <laughs> but yeah it's like whatever and it was a nice moment like on just for what it was it was a, a nice funny moment you had like the the little girl with her was it like a the teddy that's a nice like nice moment on that so yeah, something positive. We'll, we'll, we'll take that. So, count <laughs> if you're listening at home. Let's add one to the positive counter. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the CGI, which I don't think is a specifically a Thor problem. But I don't know if I feel there's like a is there a CGI thing going on with with Marvel? Is it just me that's noticing that? I feel not because I think there was loads of articles <laughs> on this. But I don't know if anyone's noticed because I remember when we did doctor strange and uh the multiverse of madness and i remember saying that when i started watching it because it started with a very cgi heavy environment and then into that that fight with the one-eyed monster thingy and i felt quite put off and i remember i think i said this on the podcast that i was worried that i would not like this film and then it kind of turned around from then i did enjoy it and part of it was just like i sometimes find myself just turned off or not not as excited by cgi battles unless there's some kind of sort of meaning but then also it's very like the quality of it wasn't quite there i don't know if either of you felt that and then i felt the same here in thor i don't know there's been some criticisms of like she hulk um with the the first trailer and the cgi and i remember one of our previous guests uh jason from wulong talks he said uh one of our episodes that there's a there's some cgi sort of in terms of the people who make the cgi in hollywood um, there's some issues around it, and I've, I feel we're starting to see that in in Marvel films. Yeah, I, I've I've noticed that um, in Multiverse of Madness, I kind of liked it uh, just because I liked the artistic style of Sam Raimi, mm. like with the, the horror type of elements and stuff. 
kind of like that but in Thor it just it felt very cartoonish for me like it felt like a like a, a Saturday morning cartoon or something like a lot of the effects like it just felt like cheap it didn't it didn't feel like the same quality or standard that we're used to in previous Marvel yeah what do you think Taz is it something that you've noticed is has it been an issue for you I'm gonna say it's not something I really noticed I feel like CGI has to be like really really bad for me to notice and like really bad in a way that not on purpose really bad right because <laughs> <laughs> there's some films that like it, the cgi is bad but it's not meant to be good <laughs> do you know what i mean i don't know if that makes sense but i see yeah i see what you're saying so uh, i think i'm gonna there's a uh, some links i'm gonna put in the show notes because so i want to look more into this and you know if anyone listening does know as some uh, insight can point us into direction feel free to email but um, I think there there is a like a VFX artist issue in the industry and whether it's like due to the pandemic and the conditions or or just like having too much work and not enough time because we're getting to a point between like films and and TV shows where just there's just a lot and this all really like takes time is you know you you kind of you sometimes don't always appreciate how much CGI in some of these films. Like you will see it in the battles and everything, but even something like Spider-Man No Way Home, where, spoiler alert for that film we haven't seen, but Daredevil, um, Matt Murdock is in that film. And there's a scene where I think some someone throws a brick through the window because, you know, who Spider-Man is and all that. And then Matt Murdock is at a table with Spider-Man, with Peter Parker, and he catches it. And he's like, how did you catch that? So if you look at the scene, um, apparently that that originally was a snow globe or something circular that they had to they changed to a brick. So if you look at it again, you'll see like he's holding a something that's like a orb shape, and they just CGI. So even little things like that, which you wouldn't even necessarily notice on first glance, it has to be changed, and it has to be changed you know, sort of frame by frame and and all that. So yeah, I feel there's like um, an industry issue around CGI, but so back to the original point of the the look and feel of this film, it it, it has that like that eighties color palette, but doesn't always look convincing, and it's kind of it's, it can be off putting. At least for me, it was off putting. But do like do either of, you, either of you think that we are getting to a point where Marvel does have a a quantity of a quality problem, or is heading in that direction? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and I, this is the film that made me. Yeah, made me think that maybe he had a quality assurance because there's a lot. There's a lot of like, and even I like I enjoy it for the most part of what I've seen, but I feel they could do less and it would be a better quality. Yeah, I feel like because I feel like it's great when they're like trying new things um, and the quantity is because they're trying so many different ways of telling stories um like with the a lot of the the shows that they've come out with mm. have been great yeah and all sort of like add a different flavor so that quantity is fine because they're all a bit different right mm. but with this it's like you're not even trying to make a good, <laughs> a good story like it's just there for the sake of being, being there, there yeah. for some some overall plot that's gonna take a lifetime to get to <laughs> and I, I mean i've already expressed that i'm like over marvel and then it was the doctor strain i was like oh yeah it's great and then like they've just put me back into i'm over marvel <laughs> like i'm not 
like over over it like i'm not gonna watch a marvel film but i am definitely like you need to be impressed at this point yeah like i'm definitely picky of like what i want to watch um from marvel like i think the shows i'll probably still watch a lot of the shows because i feel like they with those they are exploring and adding new things and i think because they are on their own platform they have a lot more scope to experiment but yeah definitely like film wise i'm like mm, <laughs> okay. they can choose my battles fair enough all right let's see if we can dig into some of these characters and then the- i have some positive things for themes so we got we got that to come all right so we got characters and this is a film where the central theme is love and characters that kind of work around that so we i feel we've talked about thor maybe not enough but we, we've certainly talked about him we can talk about some of the other characters were there any characters that you either of you connected with or like on any kind of emotional level was there enough of it of, of them to to have that valkyrie okay so do you think we got enough valkyrie i feel she was underserved in this film especially what we've seen of her before i feel like there would have been no point in adding more of her yeah, it'd like be nice to see more of her, but I don't think it would have added anything to the story. So right. I don't think it She did what she needed to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But definitely yeah. like she she's like a character. I, I wanna see more of her and I wanna see her go on like I wanna like be able to follow her journey and her path, but like this this movie didn't give that to me. Like it doesn't give me any sense of progression with her character, mm. but I, un- I understand why, because, you know, she's just, you know, she's not the main component of the story. So that's yeah. why, but, but she is an interesting character though. And I, and I, it makes me wonder like what plans they have for the character and if she's going to be in any other crossover projects or anything like that. If they so. give her a TV show, I'm all over it. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's an interesting character. And her, I guess her position as well is sort of taking over as president, prime minister, can't, grand ruler of as New Asgard. Can't yeah. remember the exact title, but taking over that position from Thor. That's, that, that's an interesting scenario that could be explored more and how she runs things versus uh, Thor. I mean, we've, we've talked about like Gore being the, it was quite anti, mm, I wouldn't say maybe anti-hero, but like a, a complex antagonist that, you know, has some empathetic threads that just wasn't wasn't explored enough someone that i feel i was just gonna say on on gore i feel like if the character had been i mean i don't know uh, the comic book version at all but hmm. from what they put out there i feel like if the character had been done justice given screen time straight up villain okay well, I, guess, I mean, because what he does is is straight, yeah, straight up villainous. Yeah, straight up yeah. villainary. <laughs> but whatever, like, turned him on that path, that, you know, that can only hold you so far. <laughs> yeah, until, until you're abducting <laughs> children. Um, yeah. and, and you know me, I'm a very empathetic person. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like he's a straight up god killer. And at least in my mind, I'm like, they'd explored that character. Mm. It, give me a good villain. I feel like we've gone to a point where we're... We're giving too much empathy to our villains. <laughs> oh, you just want to be, just give I'm them villainary. <laughs> I miss like bad for bad sake. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. So I was going to say like one that I feel in certain ways was underserved. Not necessarily screen time because she gets good screen time, but uh, Jane and um, 
one of the things that confused me about her character who's spoken about the show don't tell is that she gets Mjolnir and becomes Thor uh not Lady Thor Mighty Thor or Dr. Jane Foster but we don't see it and I, I feel almost like she was a bit robbed of a moment or was that just me I think that was just you. Actually, let me not let me not speak for everyone, but <laughs> from at least I feel differently at least. But Gary, go ahead. Yeah. I feel like she got her moments. I, I feel like she got her moments a lot. She got like some. She she might have actually had more cool moments than Thor himself. Like I think mm. in this movie, because there was the the first part in Asgard uh, where before he takes the children and stuff. Like she she was pretty. You know, she's pretty powerful in that scene. And then um, when she's hospitalized later on in the movie and like, you know, um, her cancer gets worse and everything. And then uh, more year, more near. Uh, sorry, I can't say that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the, hammer struggle, show, yeah. <laughs> the hammer shows up and yeah. And then she 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 ends up going to the fight, the final battle uh, with Gore. Like, I, f- I feel like she was pretty much the reason why, um, you know, they won that fight almost so i feel like she she's she's well served in her role as mighty thor it's just um it's just like her cancer her whole cancer storyline i feel like that wasn't handled in the best way yeah i i agree agree like as for um as mighty Thor, like you you don't we don't need to be explained like four's powers essentially Mm. like obviously uh, she has slightly different powers but i feel like when we're introduced to mighty four like we know i feel like it's one of the bits that were done well it was like that that um jealousy from four <laughs> and like we understood the extent of her powers and also um malnir like shattered malnir yeah. Really, really cool weapon. Um, I think if we're going to talk about characters, I feel like the weapons need. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, we should. But we'll go into that in a <laughs> sec. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I felt perfectly explained how mighty Mighty Four was, <laughs> especially with like and like the eagerness as a new hero. Like suddenly, you know, yeah, being in that world as well and watching everyone, watching watching all the Avengers and seeing all all that power constantly, and then actually getting like your chance to to give it a go and i feel like that came across really well it's almost like a miss marvel thing like a because she's a similar character of like oh i love the avengers and now i'm i've become one how do i handle that yeah exactly um but maybe it's just like yeah similar slightly different because she's still like epic doctor Mm. and hero in her own right um just without the powers right yeah yeah, so I, I think it I think it was shown well. Like she came across very mighty and you could just see I feel I think the way they done like the whole jealousy thing and that it's like you know yeah. you know she's strong. <laughs> yeah, so and then the jealousy we did see the the I guess I'm gonna call it a love triangle between Is it I mean it's more of a a square. Oh yeah, no, you're right, you're right. It is it is a square. Yeah. It's complex. <laughs> it's complicated. It's a square with different like paths like across as well, like the corners and then across. Um, yeah, because we get Stormbreaker, Mjolnir, Jane and Thor. And it's like Thor's, well, we thought he'd moved on, <laughs> but he's uh, jealous that Mjolnir has found someone else 
and then Stormbreaker is like, well, what about me? Uh, and they have this whole kind of thing. And I, I saw some commentary that that was sort of unnecessary. Thing. I, I'm going to say that was one of the things I, I found funny. I, I found yeah. that. I feel like it was quite one of the redeeming points of the film. Yeah, it was it was silly. I feel like that's the but, that was the comedy they should have had in there, and then a lot of the other comedy should have just been taken away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and because that kind of, I mean, it it was silly. You can say like silly is like these they suddenly they the yeah. inanimate objects have got personality, but it kind of goes to the whole because Mjolnir's thing is about worthiness. So he's now you know James yeah. worthy is Thor worthy. He's trying to find his place in the world and he's not sure so i kind of i can you know i can see how i can map to the the story the character and still be like funny i so i was like okay cool i'm with this part and i feel like it actually it like adds to the storytelling this is comedy that actually adds to our understanding of the characters and their relationship yeah and and for's place mentally as well yes actually yeah you're right it, it actually demonstrates something it's not just like Let's throw some slapstick in there. It, it means it, something. It's a tool. Story, yeah, it means it's something. a storytelling tool at that point. And you yeah. can look at it and say that I don't find that funny. But I think what you said is is right. It, you can see yeah. why it's there. I can see the purpose. So whether yeah. you find it funny or not, that's subjective. And like like you said, like we already know, like Milner already Milner could have a personality because deems people worthy. Like yeah. you've got to have some yeah, sure. some something has got to drive that. Mm. So why why wouldn't it? these weapons react to to people's like personhood, I guess, um, and their mind state? So it absolutely makes sense that they'd have personalities to some extent. At least reacts to people people. Yeah, I, I really liked that whole thing, like with the weapons, because I'm a sucker for like subtlety, like especially subtle humor. And just like <laughs> subtle things being spelled out where like, like, cause, cause with the humor uh, we're seeing in this movie, it's very much like, okay, this is where you're supposed to laugh. Like it hits you on the nose. Like, uh, like, you know, they want you to laugh at this oh, joke. Oh, you mean like the screaming goats? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the screaming goats. So subtle. Did you miss it? But- <laughs> Let's do it again because this is so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the whole film. But yeah, so like the weapons is like very subtle because they don't talk as well. So it's like it's a visual kind of cue kind of thing. So I, I really liked that element to it. Um, of course, Thor does react to it ver- verbally a few times, but you see the subtleties of it throughout the entire film. And, and I really liked that. Another thought, like, are the weapons actually reacting or is it just coincidence and then because of where four is at mentally he's projecting mm. it's definitely not that deep yeah yeah but, but... <laughs> <laughs> this is, we i think we're thinking about it i feel like we're thinking about it more than uh taika yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine that's what we like doing on the podcast so yeah and then the goats were just like the opposite end of the scale because like let's just yeah. keep doing they this they were like we wanted to put a meme in here yeah like, we wanted but something I mean, from, that was it's gonna be like five years ago i mean and yeah. i know that i'm on top of memes but i feel even i know that's not a current meme i don't know someone who's 19 tell us i thought like i kind of found it funny because they were just so ridiculous <laughs> but it was just so like it also was like i don't feel comfortable finding this funny because you're trying so hard, so hard. <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot of that 
All right, so we've spoken about some of the characters, and I did say we'll talk about some of the themes and bring in some some more positivity. So we did like the the love square joke. So add one in the positivity column. Um, so we're gonna go through the themes, and maybe like the film will bring up a point and then undercut <laughs> uh, uh, the positive aspect of it uh, as we have the discussion. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Um, so. The th- film did have some themes and love is the big one. So I'll come to that last. Uh, but some of the ones that uh, other ones that I saw were so putting your faith in a higher power. And I feel that was a, a, a complex, interesting. Well, actually, let me expand. Putting your faith in a higher power and being let down is a sort of complex thing to to consider. Like, you know, sort of gods and our gods there for us are they doing the right thing so what happens when you have that faith in a higher power um and either like it the higher power doesn't exist or worse doesn't regard you as as worth their time so we see it obviously in the opening scene is kind of the premise for um gore's revenge mission and we kind of see like I mentioned, the the Zeus, the scene in Omnipotent City, some of it, even maybe the way Thor's reacting over the course of the film is like proving the point of Gore. But I feel it doesn't it doesn't come together in terms of like hitting the theme where what Gore is is angry about is the even he's saying the gods are unworthy, like they're not doing what they should be doing, and then seeing that the gods aren't doing what they should be doing that could have been tighter, but it was there. I felt or I, I saw it was there. I don't know if anyone else had any feelings about that yeah it was was quite obviously there but it just wasn't explored it wasn't like it wasn't it didn't feel like a didn't feel much like a theme just like uh, this is what happens yeah yeah (laughs) pretty much yeah i'd agree um gary what did you think of it definitely definitely wasn't explored uh as well as it, it like like Tazzy said, it was basically like like even the setup at the start with Gore, like I feel like there could have been a lot more there. Mm. Like uh it just felt very brief. Yeah. Uh it, it's that whole thing of like power mm. and gods and like it just didn't shine through in the film. And 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 I think it's a great concept to explore because there's so many parallels in the world currently, like with some of the things going on in the world with the government and stuff like that and the uproars like there could have been so many like deep parallels to make between what's going on in reality and you know this fantasy universe but yeah they just they dropped the ball with it Hmm. yeah like i said we're gonna bring up a point and then apparently we're gonna undercut it uh just like the film but so the other thing was not knowing your place in the world but i feel that's kind of and this is part of issue with like thor regressing as a character as because i feel he's been here before not knowing his place and finding it but in here he's kind of back so the question i'd say or i'd I'd put forward is do you think he's resolved that by the end of this film like does he do you feel like he as a character now knows his place in this world i feel like thor is forever lost (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe i feel like it's just i mean and as well like his purpose is now a um has an expiry date because it's a child um and right. they grow up yeah so then <laughs> where's he gonna go from <laughs> where's he gonna go from there like it happens to a lot of parents in general like you you raise a kid your whole world revolves around that that kid and then you're like oh wait 
what do I do do now? And I feel like he's just put himself back in that spot because now he's not found a purpose. He's just made his whole world revolve around raising a child. <laughs> and when he when he's done that and that child no longer really needs him that much, which I feel like it's going to be really quick. quick yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then he's just lost again. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll see where that goes. One thing I, so I did like this and the theme of love, but specifically because he had this whole thing of being open and trusting. And I think when the Guardians were then, Peter Quill was saying like, you know, it's, it's better to, be, I can't remember the exact line, but it's like better to be vulnerable. Uh, it's better to be loved, uh, loved and be hurt than be loved and not hurt. There you go. So that. Or feel pain. Feel pain sorry. Yeah, to feel pain. I like, oh yeah, that that's a nice theme. That's something to think about. And then he kind of takes it on throughout the film. And then kind of when he rekindles with Jane, and it's just that idea of yeah, just making yourself open to that, because the the payoff is is sort of bigger than the apparent risk. And yeah, I I like that. I think that's something to kind of take away from the film. It's probably the maybe the best delivered theme uh, of yeah. all. So. There's a a point in this film that it reminded me of. You're gonna you, your mind's gonna be blown because I'm gonna use a term that I think I'm getting more comfortable with. Uh, but so there was a point where I was like, it reminded me of one like my my favorite film, Moulin Rouge. Um, Christian, <laughs> I think yeah, Christian Bale goes. Uh, for like tells him that he should believe in love and he goes love and she reminded me of a scene and if you're someone that's watched Moulin Rouge where the duke they're explaining the story to the duke and the duke's just like love and it's it's hilarious <laughs> Moulin Rouge is a hilarious film and as we're talking about it I'm like did someone watch Moulin Rouge <laughs> <laughs> and then just like make a really 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 poor job of uh capturing that yeah <laughs> of like what they liked about the film what yeah because it was really really well well not really well done but it was the theme was that was was done <laughs> the best out of everything yeah in this film <laughs> and like that end moment was really really good and like the beginning of the film <laughs> really good and it's like they just lost their way in the middle um, so you know like the bulk of the film yeah. <laughs> which is actually a tactic to make the beginning of the film really good and the end of the film really good and everyone forgets the middle <laughs> but this, the middle was too bad for that to work <laughs> yeah the middle but, being yeah, the 90% of the <laughs> <laughs> like the middle has to be okay for that technique to work for a film but it I can't remember the point I was going to make but yeah they got the love bit they did get a tear out of me Okay. Uh, I'm a sucker for love um, and like for becoming a dad, but cool. it's just we disappointing that the 90% of the yeah. film was <laughs> so flat <laughs> that it kind of undermined it. <laughs> I do have like a small critique of the end, like, um, and this is, I think it's a Marvel problem in general, maybe at the moment, but um, it's like, because although I do agree that that theme of love was conveyed uh throughout the movie like that you know that whole feeling of um it's better to have love than not love and you know that was it was conveyed throughout but the end resolution with uh gore i feel like was a bit rushed like it just it was mm. a bit abrupt for me 
Um, and this is kind of similar in Multiverse of Madness, where I feel like the main protagonist or, or one of the main protagonists um, has like this brief conversation with the antagonist and suddenly their whole mindset changes and everything's solved, like everything's resolved. Right. The same thing kind of happened in Multiverse of Madness with a uh, uh, who was it actually that spoke to Scarlet Witch and then all of a sudden she just, you know, stops doing what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the same thing. Kind of... I'd give, the only thing I'd, I'd give to Multiverse of Madness and Wanda is that, because I guess in one sense it was it was quick, but she 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 saw what she had wrought in, in that case. She, like, she saw like, yeah. w- what have I become kind of thing and that, that was a powerful moment that we yeah. saw. Whereas... It was also a reflection of herself rather than like anyone else's input. Yeah. But obviously people had their input to guide her to that, but ultimately they were showing her the mirror. Exactly, yeah. So that makes sense versus what you're saying here, Gary, is like, yeah, you kind of... Because like Thor and, and Gore, Thor and Gore, <laughs> there's a <laughs> animated spinoff right there, Saturday morning kids cartoon, Thor and Gore. <laughs> um, they don't talk that much. They don't really have, like, you know, sometimes you get the, those films where like the antagonist and the protagonist talk and it's that exchange of the conflict of ideals before they even get into anything physical. It's just like, this is what I believe and this is what I believe and this is why we can't, like, neither one of us can, no, we can't both win. One of us has to is going to overcome like you know batman and, mm. and joker like you know chaos and order we can't both have what we want and then we see that interaction between them and it's like it builds the anticipation because like oh we know we can't have order and chaos only one of them can exist so how's this going to shake out but we don't get that here we they don't really exchange ideals and then you like you say gary you mm. have the the quick conversation at the end and suddenly gore and if you want to be overly critical which i don't know some people might might think we have been over the podcast so let's go with it gore has this whole thing about damn all the gods i'm gonna kill all the gods but then i'm gonna yeah. based on what god says i'm gonna bring back my daughter and trust him <laughs> into the care of a god that has showed me no <laughs> evidence that he'll take care of my daughter so hey, yeah <laughs> make of it what you will people yeah, but yeah ex- excellent point again for me at that point of the film <laughs> yeah, what does it matter? everything's been rushed <laughs> so it like tracks for the pace of the rest of the film like it fits it fits it fits it fits like i think i think it would have been worse if at this point they'd suddenly made it really dramatic <laughs> and it would have just i feel like it would have made the film feel even worse because it would have taken you on such a like <laughs> uncomfortable journey yeah that you'd just be like i don't know how to feel i just feel ick <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so it's consistency basically is what you're saying is yeah. plus one for consistency so um <laughs> that's, that's a pro <laughs> yeah. all right final thoughts or favorite moments if if we could find any more final thoughts uh gary what did you think of anything that we've missed out or uh you want to bring up that we haven't covered uh final thoughts is i want to say it's kind of a skippable thor movie i mean like at the end i guess the 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 main change is that of course he's with uh the the little girl now he's looking after her and that might lead to something in in the future but to me it just feels like they're kind of um keeping thor in limbo a little bit so that he could be used in a useful way later because i'm mm. I'm very excited for some of the stuff that's coming and hercules, I think, hercules is coming and that guy 
Well, if yeah. this if this film has too many jokes, that guy does not look like he knows what a joke is. He looks like he's coming <laughs> for Thor. Exactly that, and and also some of the the other cosmic films that are coming in the future too. Like because I think there could be some cool Thor stuff mm. in some of those, maybe. But yeah, um, it just feels like you know they wanted to to put out a, another Thor movie, and you know they came up with this, and it's not. It's not great, but it's cool for a one-off watch, I guess. But that's really it. It doesn't do anything to like um, restore my faith in where the the, the MCU Thor is at the moment. Mm. But based on what I know about what's coming in the future, I am slightly intrigued of what might come next. All right, Tazzy, what do you? Any favorite moments you want to shout out? Final thoughts? I do have a I have a thought that I wanted to to put out there or not a thought but something I want to bring up go ahead so what like struck me or not struck me I had a thought on so there's a lot of blood in this movie the only thing is it's gold I don't know if anyone picked up on that but there's a lot of uh so we've got obviously the beginning scene of the the first god that's slaughtered and was like an epic scene and was the only thing that we got out of that where it was quite brutal, right? But the the blood was gold. Mm. And then when Zeus's the yeah, whole like yeah. fight with Zeus, like all these lots of gold, lots of gold in that scene. Lots of gold, <laughs> like it was covered in gold. <laughs> that was blood. Just to break it to you, if anyone didn't realize, <laughs> that's blood. And it was just like a thought to me of like how films get away with portraying like violence and not up in the rating. And this sort of thing. And it kind of, I, th- I think it's kind of problematic in a way. Say aliens exist and they're really friendly. And <laughs> like, we make friends with an alien race. I feel like it just, this is, I know this is like really out there, but <laughs> it's like this lack of respect for like other beings <laughs> that, that humanity has. And like, it's like, oh yeah, it's just gold blood. What if, what if someone doesn't bleed? red is it okay to then slaughter them like i don't know it's like one of my weird did not think you'd go there didn't (laughs) (laughs) but i was like watching i was like this is just violent like okay you're hiding it with gold blood but it's still just violent yeah like i don't know i don't think kids are that dumb (laughs) that that is a great point like i feel like there is Hmm. a lot of like stuff out there where it's like it's meant to be for younger audiences but it's like they're slaughtering like other creatures and species but like because it's not the same as like human blood or you know stuff like that they get away with it yeah and then someone like i was talking to a friend about it they're like um has four bled before i don't know if anyone knows this oh well i guess when uh-huh. he's because he lost his eye at one point but he wasn't so suddenly now i'm like does four bleed gold i'm <laughs> <Yes>. confused <laughs> we know that loki doesn't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no loki goes black and blue like uh like the rest of us uh, <laughs> um yeah and then my my other thought would just be like like a love and thunder tv show where we follow follow four and his new door uh, yeah that and slapstick comedy would be great that could work no that would work extremely work. well and you get more space to let those moments sit. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any? Yeah. Well, I 
So obviously I wasn't too favorable favorable for this film, but I think the positive is there's things I learned <laughs> uh, <laughs> telling stories where things maybe to avoid. But then from a general MCU point is we're getting into now a cosmic realm. So we've got like eternity, you've got even from like the Eternals and things there. And I, I wonder how audiences will deal with these concepts because even like the multiverse as well, it's getting quite complex. And I don't say that necessarily as a bad thing. I, I think it's interesting. And even despite what you might have, you know, taken from this discussion, I'm still <laughs> keen to see what the MCU do MCU does in terms of tying things together in phases five uh, and six. But I just wonder how, yeah, just the, the average audience, because now, I and mean, we've had, I guess, stories of gods, so we've got that. But then when you, yeah, the multiverse, you've got Kang, coming and he's there's different because there's going to be like different versions of him in different universes and yeah i just wonder where how people will will deal with this and will we get to a point which i guess to a certain extent is happening with the comics where it's just there's so much and how much of that translates to a uh, a film audience so just yeah curious to see uh, how that goes do I have anything else to say? Well, I do. I'm going to leave it for the, the storytelling tip, uh, actually. So, yeah, I think that's been our discussion uh, on Thor. Can't win them all. Can't win them all. So <laughs> let us know what you think. If you're someone who liked it, because like we said at the beginning, even if it can be a badly made film, and I do think this is a badly made film, but doesn't mean you can't enjoy it because it does have its fun moments. So if you enjoyed it, let us know. Tell us where we were wrong. Uh, and then we can agree to disagree. Feedback at mymatter.com. Let us know. Now it's time for this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes, (coughs) mistakes of others. So for today's episode... I wanted to talk about setting the right tone for your story, or at least being aware (laughs) of the tone for your story. So this is, yeah, balancing the narrative tone in the story. So something that uh, in our, maybe our collective opinion, Love and Thunder doesn't handle very well with some jarring shifts and undercutting of its tone, uh, which got me thinking about sort of tone in general. So what is tone? So we're talking about the specific uh, undertone and atmosphere of a part or all of the the story. So, tone in the story is similar to tone when when we speak. So it's not just what you say, but how you how you say it. So if a character says you're late again, the tone can change how it's received. So you're late again, or you're late again. The same words, different tone. So from formal to playful to disappointed, you can say the same thing, but have it mean. Uh, a lot more with proper use of tone. So it can be joyful, serious, humorous, sad, formal, informal, pessimistic, optimistic, uh, and it will often be reflective of the type of story you're trying to tell uh, and can change or remain largely the same throughout the story. Uh, And your characters can each convey a different tone, so depending on their personality and the situations they find themselves in. Uh, So for example, if a normally reserved character suddenly becomes loud and angry, that shift in tone can add to the experience of of the moment and the story and then the overall story has tone uh, as well so and it can be linked to the genre so the type of story you're trying to tell 
will set at least expectations in tone. So an epic sci-fi story like Dune will have a different expectations in tone from an animated horror like Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, which I've not actually seen. But um, So stories don't need to stick to one genre either. You can have action comedies, sci-fi thrillers, or sci-fi comedies even. So a mix of genres can often mean balancing tone and expectations for your story. And the problem with Love and Thunder is we have an action story that includes comedy and a lot of comedy. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with having comedy in your drama. As I already mentioned, it's something that I'm doing with the Mayamada Manga Hot Lunch, which is a dramatic storyline that has its fair share of comedic moments. Even DC, which is known for more darker films, but the recent release of The Batman has its humorous moments. So, for example, when Batman finds the uh, USB stick in the mayor's car, which is attached to the mayor's severed thumb, Batman's line, thumb, drive, along with Commissioner Gordon's disgusted reaction, is genuinely funny and doesn't distract from the seriousness of the moment. Uh, and later in the same film, we see the Cape Crusader, who is still early on in his second year fighting crime, in need of some serious practice with some of his gadgets. So it's a funny moment to see him mess up with his wingsuit and completely botch his landing as he's running from the police, because it subverts our expectations of Batman's ability. And comedy is all about subverting expectations, so it works. So these are funny moments. It helps with the pacing of the story. So you have your dramatic moments, you have your uh, comedic moments to break up the pacing. Um, and it, it works because it comes from character uh, and it makes sense for the moment they're in. But here we have in Thor, Love and Thunder is a tonal imbalance, at least in my opinion, that doesn't quite fit. So too often it feels like jokes are being shoehorned in to meet a quota. Uh, it's a common criticism thrown at Marvel, but it seems even worse here with Thor. So themes like child kidnapping or Jane's terminal cancer doesn't quite hit because the tone is shifted too far towards comedy for those moments that are fairly underdeveloped uh, in and of themselves. So what can you do to avoid making mistakes of having the tone or shift in tone, sudden dramatic shift in tone, undercut the impact of your story? Number one, does your tone fit the genre? So it's important that you understand the genre expectations before you start writing. So this doesn't mean you need to stick to them rigidly. You can always flip expectations if you do it the right way, as in the way that helps your story. But having an understanding of what tone makes sense for the genre or genres you're working in will help you or hopefully help you avoid the problems later on if you do plan on subverting expectations. Uh, number two is consider your characters and the moment. So tone is not just what happens, but how it happens, like I said. So when your character takes an action or the plot, events of the plot that take place, think about how they're being delivered and whether it's supporting your story or taking away from the moment like we discussed with the definition of bathos. So something that's undercutting your moment. Finally, number three is pacing. So adjusting the pacing to avoid problems with tone. So some of the more jarring moments in Love and Thunder, I feel come as a result of the pacing, not necessarily the length, but the pacing of the narrative. So for example, having to move so quickly between seeing Jane's somber cancer storyline to the weird Jane Thor, Mjolnir, Stormbreaker, Love Triangle, or the many, many bleating goats just makes for an awkward transition and an awkward shift in feeling as you're watching the this particular film. So you can move from serious to funny to break up those those moments, but 
give your story time to breathe um, so that we don't move too fast from one to the other without enough story time to properly digest each moment. And that's the tip for story story episode. What is this? 113. So let us know what you think. If you are creating your own story, uh, or jump in our Discord uh, or send us an email and let us know there. Feedback at myamada.com. Uh, so that's the tip for this episode. Before we check out, let's find out what our guest is up to, Tazzy. So we'd like to hear uh, more details about our guest, what they're up to and any projects that they've got going on. So Gary, uh, is there any um, cool or interesting projects you have that you can let our listeners in on? Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm always working on a few things, uh usually at the same time. <laughs> uh at the moment, uh at the coalition where you know we talk about entertainment and video games and stuff, we are doing our Powercast, which is a podcast dedicated to the TV show Power, which is another uh cartel crime drama kind of thing. You mean a business story, Gary, a business story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's another business story um <laughs> so our power cast that we do we we review every single episode of power basically um so because raising canaan is back the show is back also and yeah we are recording those weekly as we get sent them and stuff on top of that i'm also i'm currently in a creation phase of like my book writing and stuff like i'm working on a few different books that I'm hoping to be able to publish sometime next year. So I'm I'm a uh, hard at work on those at the moment. Um, I haven't had any new publications as of yet. But I've also been working with a company called ABF Creative, who is a creative podcast production company, and I've actually uh, worked on a few projects with them. One of them is uh, Adventures of Cairo, which follows. A uh, seven-year-old boy in America. He's African American, and it's basically about him learning different life lessons from his family and friends at school and stuff like that. So it's like a real uh, kind of you know light-hearted children's show, um, which is in podcast form, um, and that's available everywhere. You know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere basically. And yeah, just uh, been. We, we're doing a, a children's affirmations show as well, where um, every day it kind of gives them like an affirmation that they can say to themselves and uplift themselves and get themselves ready for the day. I might need that too. Forget the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of uh, grown-ups actually listen to it too. Uh, it's called Charm Words. So uh, that's also available everywhere that you can get podcasts. Uh, there's also a breathing exercise with it as well. So very good for people who like to meditate and stuff as well so yeah that's about it at the moment yeah the affirmation thing sounds so great especially after everything that's happened i think it's some affirmations is something we normally think about as adults and um, i definitely think um younger people will benefit a lot from those at the moment absolutely and yeah. Um, yeah sorry <laughs> I was just going to say, it's a very simple thing. Like like us as adults, we probably think, oh, affirmations, that's not going to help me. But like, if you actually get into a routine of doing that every day, like it is very helpful for your mentality. Yeah, it's good for, for children and adults. 
Definitely. We will put links in the show notes. Yeah, and Gary, thank you for yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us in uh, this hopefully constructive criticism of uh, uh, of Thor that someone can take things away from. Uh, if not, you know our email. So yeah, Gary, thank you for joining us. And thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, we appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, if maybe not for, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, this helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussion. Uh, don't forget to check out our own stories on the Maya Matter website. Uh, we have a number of titles available, including the latest release, Serious Through the Fog. Uh, you can also join the Gamepad Discord. Uh, check out the new Studio 77 membership too for exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the Maya Matter universe. And keep your eyes peeled for news for our do i look like a gamer video game representation campaign which has been launched it's out it's happening so we launched the campaign so that future generations of diverse talent will know that there's a place for them in video games so we want to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry so we've got more plans in store this year going into next year as well uh, but you can check out the campaign website looklikeagamer.com uh, to see the 40 players and makers that we launched the campaign with and keep an eye out for news on campaign events and how to get involved as for the podcast we release new episodes on thursdays that include creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture uh, you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. So thank you for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe. Uh, and remember, all you need is love. I mean, a solid plot and redeemable characters that don't regress uh, into previous states would help. But love will get you most of the way. So take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.